Hello and welcome to the Hidden Addiction Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center under the New York Council on Problem Gambling. Across New York State, we have seven resource centers dedicated to connecting individuals to care. We are here to increase awareness about problem gambling and advocate for support services for persons adversely affected by problem gambling. Gambling is defined as risking something of value on a game of chance. There can be many types of gambling, and it can affect anyone at any time in their life. It may not be talked about often and kept in the dark, but we hope this podcast sheds light on the hidden addiction of gambling and brings forth resources and information for you to use. So part of the reason that the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center decided that we wanted to do this podcast was to make sure that everyone in the region was aware of what problem gambling is, what services are available, and how it's impacting either yourself or your community members. So in this first episode, what we really want to do is get you a basic kind of 101 for what problem gambling is, how it's affecting everyone. That way, as we have our guest speakers and other people come on, we can all learn a little bit more about how this is impacting our community. Hi, welcome to the Hit Addiction Podcast. This is episode one, and we are very excited. Uh, my name is Amanda Quintana, and I am joined by my colleagues. If you want to introduce yourselves. Leilani Yazari, the team leader. And I'm Colleen Jones, one of the program managers. We're very excited to be doing this podcast with you all. Um, and I just want to, before we jump into what we will be discussing today, I did want to provide a brief overview on just the history of the PGRC system. Uh, so the reason the PGRCs are here is what, maybe five, six, seven years ago at this point, um, New York State uh, Oasis and the New York Council on Problem Gambling analyzed the Hopeline data. And they were really looking to see what was going on with individuals who were calling in for help for gambling and problem gambling. And they found that only 2% of the calls that were coming in for help were actually uh, successfully accessing treatment. And so New York State uh, Oasis and the New York Council on Problem Gambling, they devised a program that was going to really help to remedy this. And what they did was they created a problem gambling resource center pilot program down in Queens, New York. And this pilot program was working to help increase the treatment density uh, and assist those that were looking for help really get that warm handoff to these treatment options. And so through this pilot program, they saw an increase from that 2% accessing treatment successfully that rose to 86% of success. And so what they were able to do, the council and Oasis partnered together to create resource centers like ours to really help and provide these support services across the state of New York. So the Mid-Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center is one of seven resource centers across New York State that is able to provide uh, services, support for anyone impacted by problem gambling. And we're excited to, in the Mid-Hudson region, expand that support and resources through this podcast. So we're gonna be here um, providing services and information, chatting about topics uh, just around problem gambling and seeing how we can assist moving forward. Thank you, Amanda. So how do we define gambling? The way that the New York Council on Problem Gambling defines gambling is risking something of value at a chance of reward. 
And when we think about things of, of value, it could be your time, it could be your money, it can be a, anything that you find um, of value or possessions, stocks, bonds, uh, retirement funds, any and everything that you're willing to risk for a chance of reward, that is how we define gambling. And that's when, in, when these things start to impede on your lifestyle, that's when it becomes a problem. And that's why we're here to help. Yeah. And one of these things, this podcast that we really want people to kind of understand is just what opportunities there are and what is gambling, what types of gambling are happening here in New York state that you might not be aware of. You know, we think of the obvious when we talk about gambling, casinos, um, video lottery terminals, scratch offs, um, horse racing, but there's a ton of both legal and illegal gambling happening in New York state. And that includes the numbers, games, Kino, cards and dice for money, um, bingo, we have pull tabs. There's a lot of sports betting going on, um, both daily fantasy sports and um, sports betting on a regular team. You know, we have mobile sports betting potentially coming down the pipeline in New York State. Um, office pools, 50-50 raffles, animal fighting. As Leilani mentioned, you know, the stock market can definitely be a way to gamble, as well as there's various opportunities to gamble online. So with these various opportunities to gamble, we do see with an increase in availability and access, as with anything, right, you're going to have a risk uh, associated that goes along with that increase. So because we've been seeing not only the uh, normal types of gambling that we've seen, but also in New York State, there's a lot of uh, expansion that's going on in the world of gambling and gaming. And so what we are preparing for as the council, and I'm not sure if we've mentioned yet, but the New York Council on Problem Gambling, the PGRCs, we do maintain a neutral stance on gambling. Um, we are not for nor against, we're just here to advocate for support services for those in need. So with this expansion, we're preparing to see an increase in the risks associated uh, and possibly going to see an increase in uh, those negatively impacted by their gambling. So some of the warning signs that come along with um, those who have a problem with gambling are tolerance, Withdrawal, withdrawal meaning being restless and irritable when trying to cut down on your, or stopping your gambling, being preoccupied, having frequent thoughts of gambling, um, escaping, often uh, gambling when you're feeling distressed um, about any type of issues that may be happening in your life, chasing your losses, um, after losing money uh, after gambling, you're returning to get even, you're lying about your gambling, often concealing your gambling activity from your family, your friends, um, jeopardizing relationships and your and possibly business opportunities because of your gambling, bailout, relying on others to help solve your money problems when uh, that are caused by gambling, and loss of control. And this is what we're seeing within those who have a problem with gambling. All right. So one of the reasons that we are concerned about gambling is because it's so normalized in our culture. You know, we talk about it a lot. We see it a lot. Um, it's something that's perceived as something fun to do. Um, and we know that in the United States, approximately 85% of adults have gambled at least once in their lives and 60% in the past year, which is a high number. Then when you take into those that are suffering from problem, problems with their gambling, an estimated 2 million adults in the United States meet their criteria for pathological gambling in any given year. And then another four to six would be considered 
problem gamblers. So that's about 8 million people in the United States that's being affected by gambling. So when we talk about gambling and um, the spectrum of gambling behaviors, we start out, it's kind of like, it's like a spectrum, right? It's like a line that we have no gambling on one end and gambling disorder on the other end. So we talk about no gambling, you know, those are people that have never gambled before in their lives. However, these people still can be at risk for developing a gambling problem just because of, you know, their family history, um, childhood trauma, things like that all take a play into who might be at risk for developing a gambling problem. Then we have social gambling. Our social gamblers also can be at risk. However, social gamblers typically, you know, they tend to set limits. They're going to have a good time. They have those boundaries when they do decide to partake in gambling. And then we have our problem gamblers, which there is a difference obviously between social gambling and problem gambling. Those that have a problem gambling, you know, they might not be able to set time and limits on that. Um, they might be spending more money. They might be chasing those losses. Any of those warning signs that Leilani talked about earlier, you know, the preoccupation, they might be gambling to escape, lying, jeopardizing those relationships are all things that are happening when you're having a problem gambling. And on the very end of that spectrum, we have gambling disorder. One thing we say when we are talking about the spectrum of gambling disorder is that all individuals with a gambling disorder are experiencing problem gambling, but not all problem gambling can be classified as a gambling disorder. So problem gambling can impact an individual, it can impact the family members, it can even impact a community. When we're thinking about how problem gambling can impact an individual, we take a look at their mood swings how their problems with loved ones arise, how damaged their relationship their relationships can be with either loved ones, as I said before, or even with colleagues or business partners. People who have problems with gambling, they start to eat less, they start to go without food and medications and basic household needs because they are using their money to gamble. We know that one in five problem gamblers have either attempted or completed suicide. When it comes down to family and how it impacts the, the, the family or the loved one, the lack of trust that that loved one has for the problem gambler, more there becomes more financial difficulties within the family. A person, a loved one who necessarily wasn't the, uh, um, the breadwinner or who is in charge of the finances now has to take on that burden of managing the household finances because the person with the problem with gambling can no longer be trusted with it. Anxiety and stress related, um, related to and the anticipation of the loved one's mood after gambling, that impacts the family. Frustration with the problem gamblers and inability to stop gambling depression sinks in on the family member. And it's over. It's reported that over one third of problem gamblers be, be, are become a victim or perpetrator of intimate partner violence. These are some of the things that we're seeing within the individual, how the individual is impacted and also how the family is impacted. Yeah, and in addition to those family impacts and those individual impacts, we definitely see an impact on the community, which is another reason why we want to talk more to our community members and have them on to learn more about what's going on. 
the statistics show that 20% of um, someone who is addicted to gambling has filed for bankruptcy. 20% of those of the homeless have a problem with their gambling. And 60% of those who have problems with their gambling will commit crimes. Some um, unsettling statistics that we've seen just in US data is um, that up to 50% of um, spouses of addicted gamblers have been abused. And when casinos opened in South Dakota, child abuse rose by 42%. So the cost of gambling overall can have a very big impact on a community. Um, it's the estimated cost to taxpayers is $56,000, which that can include the cost of treatment, health-related costs, um, absenteeism at work, and time spent in courts. We also know that there's several reasons that people do gamble. We have action gamblers. Action gamblers we see are people who um, basically, as it says, they're, they're action after the action. So horse racing, high stake poker games, things like that. We also tend to see um, that action gambling tends to happen a little more in males, although that's not always the case. We also see that this starts out typically younger. So someone might be starting these uh, horse racing or poker games or whatever this high stakes, you know, sports betting. They might say start early on around the age of, say, like 18 in their 20s but it progresses much, um, much longer. So they might not realize or understand or know they have a problem until they're maybe in their 40s or 50s. So it takes a longer time for that progression to happen. The other type of gambling we see a lot is escape gambling. So once again, the statistics show that this typically happens in women, but it's not always the case. For escape gambling, it typically is someone who has something that they're dealing with, a stressor, um, and they're using gambling as a way to escape that problem. Um, typically, these are things like scratch off, bingo, or slots, right? Um, the third reason that people gamble is because they have that addiction. They have that gambling disorder. It's that compulsion. And that's the main reason that people tend to gamble. Right. And so something that we like to talk about um, a lot is just the comorbidity with problem gambling and other addictions, um, other mental health disorders. We you know, decided to call this podcast the Hidden Addiction Podcast because problem gambling is often referred to as the hidden addiction. It's very easy to hide from yourself. It's easy to hide from others. It's easy to hide from your employer, your loved one, your friends. Um, and sometimes, as Colleen mentioned, it's easy to even uh, hide from yourself, right? Sometimes people will uh, call what their activities are, whether it's, you know, they're gambling at the casino or on uh, slot machines, maybe it's scratch-offs. Maybe they will say, oh, these problems I'm experiencing are from something else right? It's not the gambling that's, you know, that's not the reason I don't have any money. I don't have any money because my rent is too high, or I don't have any money because the grocery doesn't have, you know, they're hiking up these prices. Um, but sometimes, you know, having that outlook on things and, and being able to hide these activities and the true impacts of them can have some serious impacts of, as we've discussed already. Um, and one thing that we do like to point out, in addition to being able to hide this addiction, um, it's also, has pretty high rates of comorbidity. So being concurrent with another addiction. Uh, one thing that we do see often, it's about 60% of the time, uh, someone that's struggling with gambling disorder, problem gambling, is also having difficulty with substance use disorder. Um, and something that we see a lot that we've been talking a lot with the different uh, substance use, uh, I'm sorry, substance use disorder providers in our region is 
screening, right? We see a lot, you know, the research has seen not only in our region, but just nationally, internationally. We've seen that one of the biggest reasons that problem gambling goes undetected is because we don't have proper screening that's going on um, at these different providers. And I think a lot of that goes into, you know, there isn't much education about problem gambling. One of the, the main things that we do, as we discussed in our intro, is the PGRCs are here to increase awareness, right? Just to have these conversations, see how we can not only uh, really raise awareness in our community so that we all have the tools we need in our toolbox, so to speak, right? But also raise awareness so that if someone is struggling and they go and they say, hi, like I, you know, I'm having problems with the casino. I'm having problems with the dice game. Then they have somewhere to go. Um, because it, there is such of a high rate of comorbidity, but unfortunately not so much of the screening, which I will say we have been able to remedy, right? We have so many partners that have been so excellent, not only participating in our problem gambling, uh, right? Because March is Problem Gambling Awareness Month. So we had a screening day that happened statewide that so many providers were able to take part in um, just to really work on talking about problem gambling and screening. Um, something I do want to mention is that, so for those who, let's say, have, are, um, have identified that they have a substance use disorder, they've gone through program, they're working on that path to recovery. Something that the research also shows is that if it's not happening concurrently at the same time as that um, addiction to let's say alcohol or other drugs, um, gambling can be a relapse trigger for some. So gambling, as we know, is very societally normalized. It's something that can be used as a social activity, um, but oftentimes we're not having the conversations about the negative impacts that can come from gambling and the risks associated. And so if someone is using gambling as a pro-social behavior, as they're working towards their recovery on that path, uh, it can be a, a trigger for them. And that's something that we like to talk to um, the recovery community as well, but as well as our general community, just working to raise this education, to have these conversations so that people are more aware. Um, what I do want to mention, just some statistics for you, thinking about the concurrence between alcohol use disorder, um, alcohol use disorder and problem gambling have a concurrence rate of about 70%. And if you think about why that is, we talk a lot about, you know, and I don't mean to, to harp on the casinos, but it's just a very good example. When you're on the casino floor and you're able to play, oftentimes you'll either get very discounted drinks or drinks for free that they'll bring right to you at the slot machines. So those two activities are very normalized to happen together. It's the same thing with drug use disorder. There's about a 40% chance of concurrence. And with nicotine use, it's about 60%. So we do see pretty high rates of these things happening together and people experiencing problems together with these two. I'm sorry, with these, with these different uh, substances. Some of the similarities that we like to talk about specifically with substance use disorder and gambling disorder are the way that it stimulates the brain, right? Addiction is a brain disease. And the same chemical pathways that uh, someone that has an addiction to let's say alcohol, uh, the same, those same pathways are the same ones that happen with gambling, right? Although you're not ingesting anything with gambling, the same chemical responses happen in your brain with the addiction, which is how these two, you know, they are, they're very, very similar, not only alcohol, but other substances as well. Um, they both have impacts on the family, right? We know addiction is a family disease, and it's not only the individual that is struggling with said addiction that is impacted, but also their family who's working to get them help, get them connected with services, um, but also services for that individual themselves. We know that, you know, our ACE score, our adverse childhood experiences can impact um, uh, you know, the way that we are uh, living and the risk factors that we have as children will then impact as we go, continue to grow older. Um, so the same thing can be said for those that are struggling with gambling. Um, and the risks are associated, the same thing as I mentioned earlier, right? An increase in access and availability is an increase in risk. 
When you think about the differences, though, between gambling disorder and, you know, substance use disorder with alcohol or other drugs, tobacco, right, the prevention messaging. If we think about where we were, let's say, 20 years ago in the world of, you know, substance use disorder, treatment has expanded, recovery has expanded, but prevention, right, prevention is not where we want it to be, but prevention has expanded, and that's something that we should be very, very proud of. The same cannot be said yet for problem gambling, as one of our clinicians says, right, Colleen? It hasn't happened yet, but we're working on that. We are working to expand the prevention that we're seeing in our communities. We're working to, we have a partner um, in, in not only our region, but across the state. Youth decide that they're working to provide education and information, in addition with the New York Council on Problem Gambling, OASIS, right, to start having these conversations earlier so that our youth are educated, our parents are educated, right? The, Anyone can do whatever we want. As we mentioned, we're not against gambling, we're neutral, but the more you can do with education, that's what we're working to get to. Some more differences is that with gambling, there's no saturation point, right? If we think specifically about alcohol, right, as an example, alcohol use disorder, if you consume, 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 your body at some point is going to say enough, right? I cannot do this anymore. But with gambling, there are so many ways that you can access money right? If you're gambling, and let's say that's what you're risking, right? Let's the, the thing of value that you're risking when you're gambling, it doesn't always have to be money. You can gamble your, your bank account, your savings account, your retirement account. How many um, credit card things do you get in the mail, those mailers that you get, right? Think about how many you get a week, a month. For someone that's having difficulty with gambling, that's just one other line of credit they can utilize. And that's even just thinking about the legal ways to get money. You can also get um, money on the streets. You can borrow from friends. You can get money in a, in a ton of different ways. But let's say I have now emptied my bank accounts. I've emptied my retirement accounts. I have opened six different credit cards and they're no longer going to give any to me. I have gone through my friends and my family. Maybe I've got that car that uh, my grandma gave me, or maybe I've got that watch that I, you know, I've had been holding on to, or someone's diamond earrings that maybe they left on the, the dining room table, right? There are so many ways to gamble. And if you think about the length of time that this can happen before you hit a so-called saturation point, right? It's very, very different in that way. The perception, the stigma, right? And I think that stigma is still obviously very around with substance use disorder, but I would say even more so with problem gambling because it is so normalized that sometimes when you think about, okay, I, I've got this issue with gambling, you may be afraid that you're going to be met with um, the question of like, how? How, did you, how do you have a problem with gambling, right? Some people are not really understanding that gambling can have, you know, it can be addictive. People can be experiencing problems, but there's still so much growth that we have to go. And we're definitely on that path. We're excited to get there. But the, the first step is really identifying like, what growth do we have to do and how can we get there? Thank you, Amanda. I think, um, you know, when you're talking a lot about prevention and risk factor factors, you know, that really gets into um, why someone might be at risk for developing a gambling problem. And a big thing is the community that you live in, right? Um, the lack of community awareness, you know, they might not understand that it could potentially be a problem. Um, we talked about the normalization of gambling before and that social acceptance um, media, you know, TV and lottery ads. Now, if you have a smart TV, oftentimes you get an ad on there for the New York State lottery and you can play right there. So some of the other risk factors we kind of think about our family, you know, family history of addiction, um, illegal activities that might be happening within a family system, uh, the lack of parental knowledge, a competitive home environment, even think about 
sports, right? How competitive um, some families that are that play sports, watch sports, listen to sports, um, family attitudes and involvement in that. Um, and then potentially in school, poor impulse control, you know, these can all be risk factors that can be associated um, with problem gambling. So at the end of the day, why are we doing this podcast? And I, it seems to be self-explanatory because of how we've described what, pro- what gambling is, what problem gambling is, why are we here? Prevention, treatment, recovery, screening, all of these things are important. And what is a better way to do a, uh, to get this information out there is by, is by doing a podcast. This is why we're doing a podcast. Is there another reason why we're doing the podcast, ladies? I would say the only thing is, is we're in this virtual world, right? We've got to stay with the times. We definitely do have <laughs> to stay with the times. And the times is calling us, is charging us to be more present within the communities. And in the virtual times, this is the best way to be more, to meet, to be purposeful and to be current and a, the best way to get our information out there. We do, we know that the uh, problem gambling is a hidden addiction for many reasons. We don't wanna be the other reason why it's hidden. We wanna be the reason why it's more, it's out there. The information is getting to you. You are understanding the consequences and the repercussions of gambling, how it can Im- impact the individual, how it can impact the, the, the family, how it can impact the, uh, the community, because it's not just a one person's problem, it's a everybody's problem. We want to see people grow. We want to see people um, get treatment for something that they're struggling with. And if they're struggling with gambling, we want to help get them to the point where they are in treatment or they are seeing past treatment and they're in recovery and support them in many ways. And we at the PGRC can do that. How can we partner with community members? So many ways that we can partner. You can call on us to see if you want more information, more education. We do trainings and, and education around, around problem gambling. You can participate in, in um, while this is Problem Gambling Awareness Month and March 9th was considered screening day. That does not mean that it stops there. Screening day is every day. Any day that we can sit there and ask a question, have a conversation about if a person is struggling with gambling, that is the day, that is the now. This, that is how, that is the mindset that, that we have to be in. It's not just one day. It is every day. It is now. It is what we have to do now because it is immediate. It is important. So um, other ways that we can, uh, community members can help spread the word, spread the word about problem gambling. Again, we hold a neutral stance on gambling. So we're not neither for or against expansion of gambling. We just say when it becomes a problem, we are always here to help. And how can, we wanna hear from you. 
we know that this podcast, there's going to be many topics that we can discuss, but we want to hear from the topics that you want to hear, you want to hear about. So if you have any questions or you want to, you, you, you want um, talk topics to be discussed, please reach out to us. Our email is mid M I D dash Hudson H U H U D S O N P G R C at nyproblemgambling.org. That is our email. So we can also add in that information into our show notes. Um, So at the end of this podcast, there should be a show notes box. Check that out. We're going to have some good resources in there each uh, time that we have a podcast episode that we do send out and include it. And that will be the way to contact us. So at the end of the day, let's be the change that we want to see. If we want change in our communities, let's be the let's be the change that we want to see in our communities by helping one another because we cannot do this alone the pgrcs the new york council could not as they say could not do it without the pgrcs and the pgrcs could not do it without the help and support of the new york council on problem gambling and the new york council on problem gambling could not do it without the support of the the national council on problem gambling so we all we all need each other to help work, uh, make this work go around and to help connect people to, uh, to services. Yeah, absolutely. That is, you know, our main goal and to get people connected to services. That's what we do here at the Mid Hudson Problem Gambling Resource Center. You know, whatever, whoever wants the help, um, wants resources, information, you know, our biggest thing is to give us a call. And, um, you know, our number is 914 914- 215-6440. And we'll put that in show notes as well. Um, you know, for anybody who is looking for resources, information, feel free to give us a call and, and we'll do our best to get you the help that, that you need. Definitely. Thank you so much, everyone. I appreciate being able to do this with you guys. It's so fun. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Everybody have a great one. I've seen. Yeah. <laughs>